Thank you for joining Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. Uh, I got Congressman uh, Bobby Scott from Virginia on the line. Uh, he is don't have very much time, but uh, there's some pressing things happening right now before we went on the air. So, uh, Congressman Bobby Scott, would you share with our listeners, what do you see the most important and compelling things that individual voters can do right now? Well, the, the main thing you can do is make sure you vote in every election because elections have consequences. Uh, the, our major work after uh, after Labor Day will be the um, uh, appropriations bills. And the House had even done its bills uh, to begin the negotiation with the Senate. And if we don't get the appropriations bills passed, uh, we'll have a choice between continuing resolutions and um, and shutting down the government. Uh, the, uh, you know, you, you, we, we don't know what the continuing resolution may look like because it could be, uh, they could put, um, usually it's just they've been spending, but if they could do things like, say, but um, at a 5% reduction, or they can put in stuff like... Um, uh, abortion riders, uh, things that would make it very difficult for uh, a lot of us to vote for it, uh, in which case, if you can't pass the continuing resolution, you're looking at a government shutdown. So we don't know uh, what um, what all we're going to do. Uh, there's been so much time talking about uh, uh, investigations and impeachments that um, it's just hard to... Um, see how we can seriously get our work done. Uh, no, that's all I've been hearing is about, you know, impeach President Biden, uh, them do that and do that. But I, I have yet to hear, maybe you can school me on this, what kind of programs are the Republicans in the House advancing to deal with some of the issues uh, the American public is experiencing? Well, in the last campaign, we learned that they depend on criticisms and complaints as policy. Remember the um, uh, inflation. They whined to high heaven about inflation. But they didn't have any, any plans. They just complained. The Democrats had a plan where we recognized that it was global inflation. And um, because it's global, we, we, we recognize that... Um, you're not going to have any oasis of no inflation in the United States. People need money in their pockets to deal with it. So we had the stimulus checks, the uh, child tax credit, um, uh, increased SNAP benefits. And when you looked at um, as a result, not only did we create the most jobs in history, uh, we also um, reduced child poverty 40%. Um, and, um, uh, and and also, credit card delinquencies were at the lowest they've been in about 30 years. Um, the Republican plan, I mean, there was no plan. It's just nothing but complaints. But when the voting took place, all the studies showed that if you voted on the issue of inflation, you voted Republican. It's just incredible. They got away with complaining, masquerading as policy. So one of the things we've got to do is to make sure we don't let them get away with that again. Um, and if they're going to be complaining, you have to ins insist that they come up with, with a plan. 
Now, is it true that uh, even though uh, many of the Republicans voted against uh, the $1.75 trillion uh, uh, infrastructure and jobs act, even though they didn't vote for it, they were showing up at the at the ribbon cuttings, taking credit. Oh, they were taking. They've been taking credit for stuff they voted against uh, on the American Rescue Plan. One of them was taking credit for it before the president signed the bill. <laughs> it was incredible. Um, but um, uh, in, you know. One thing about the Republicans is they they do not view allegations of hypocrisy as criticisms. Um, you know, you you can tell them. I mean, for for example, they didn't. Um, when you tell them that we raised the debt ceiling three times under Trump, we ought to be able to at least do it once under Biden. They don't even recognize the relevance of that. Uh, you know, they they don't, um, you know, they, they didn't hold a hearing for Merrick Garland for Supreme Court because of an election year. Next election year, they ran Amy Coney Brett, Brett Barrett through and lickety split. Uh, they don't they don't recognize hypocrisy as, as anything. So when you start uh, talking about they've done it one way one time and they're doing another, you know, that they don't they don't recognize uh, hypocrisy. So it's kind of hard to um, hard to talk to them on some of these things. Well, you know, Congressman, uh, I was uh, looking, reading a little bit about your background, how uh, and after the 1990 census, uh, the Justice Department compelled the uh, Virginia state legislators uh, to create the third district that would have, so blacks would have adequate representation. And uh, you know, that's pretty much like the same thing in Alabama, except that Alabama leg uh, legislature is refusing to do it. So that's how your district came to being, because the blacks didn't have representation. Uh, I wanted you to just, and you being the NAACP guy, so I know you were ready for the fight and being an attorney on top of that. So share your experience on that with, with us. Well, my, my experience on that was not only did they, did they say we had to create it, I had advocated Way back then, that they ought to draw the um, um, districts in such a way that we could actually create two districts where the minority community could have a reasonable chance of electing a candidate of choice. Um, we just had one uh, one district. Uh, we should have had two. Um, about eight years ago, they finally decided to the Supreme Court. Um, uh, made them uh, through the two districts. And so uh, Virginia's had two districts where the minority community can elect candidates of choice. Um, but we should have done that like 20 years ago. And now, I've, been, I've, been arguing that, that, I've been arguing that all the time. Well, And also you were uh, uh, president of the Newport News uh Virginia NAACP, and you've been involved with the national level for quite a while. And I mentioned to you before we came on the air, uh, on uh, September 9th in Seattle, Washington, in Martin Luther King Jr. County, uh, the area conference is having their annual Alaska, Oregon, and Washington a meeting in Seattle for their annual conference. And, uh, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot at stake in terms of uh, what they, they're coming up with, and they've been real proactive in terms of getting people involved. But I know that 
you have been a leader in the NAACP. And can you share some of your experiences about why is it vital for all of us to join the NAACP? Well, then well, you need a strong NAACP to to to, um, to to effectively lobby. I mean, a person going before the school board, for example, um, um, can say, "This is my bright idea," and it will be received. But it would be received uh, much more differently if the person says, "I'm representing the Seattle branch of the NAACP, and this is my this is my." right idea. The school board, first thing they're going to think is, oh my God, if we don't do it, we're going to get sued, which is uh, different than if it's just an individual. The NAACP has committees on education, housing, um, voter registration, every kind of, in, all the activity you'd want to do. So um, a strong NAACP really empowers the community uh, to do the kind of things that they, they need to be doing. Um, Voter registration being the most important um, activity. Well, we're going to have the president of the Portland NAACP, James uh, Posey, and president of the Seattle King County NAACP, uh, Daryl Powell. They'll be on later in the program. But I thought I'd mention that to you because I know you've been a longtime member of the NAACP and a leader in the NAACP. Now, you still work closely with uh, the national president, uh, Derek Johnson? I've been to... Um... Just about every national convention for the last 25 or 30 years. So, um, yeah, I'm still real active in the NAACP. Okay, well, that's a good thing. We have a, a, a strong one here, and we do have one of the offices running for a city council position, too, in uh, the, uh, our outside of Renton, Washington, which is right outside of uh, Seattle. And, you know, it's like if you drive across the street, you're going to leave in Seattle going to Renton. So uh, for, the, for the coming the session, uh, Congressman, I, I know we just got a couple of minutes. I know you got to go. What will your priorities be for the coming session? Well, let me just say I was president of the local branch when I was um, first elected to the State House of Delegates. So, um, you know, you can if, if you're going to be real active, uh, you, you can't let um, um, you've got to compete for these seats. Um, but our, our priorities will be the um, um, first priority has got to be getting these appropriations bills uh, passed. Uh, our, um, our, our first priority uh, will be getting those appropriations bills passed. Um, and it's, it's, it's going to be tough uh, because the Republicans... Um, you know, you don't know what they're going to do, and they're being controlled by the um, uh, Freedom Caucus. Um, you know, you've got you've got a lot of reasonable Republicans, but they don't vote like that. They vote along with the um, with the Freedom Caucus, so they might as well be extremists just like the others. And that's 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 the main problem we've got. Um, and and McCarthy and uh, the Speaker is really um, governed by the uh, Freedom Caucus, and he can't do anything until they say okay. I mean, he couldn't. Eat. One week we 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 didn't we didn't vote on any bills because the Freedom Caucus wouldn't let him. I mean, it was just <laughs> that bad. 
Well, uh, hopefully uh, things will change real soon. We have elections coming up um, uh, and also uh, the presidential election coming up. And uh, I, I can't uh, say enough about uh, Miss uh, Fannie Willis for doing the job she's doing. And once again, they say that the testimony and the January 6th commission is really what made things easy because they had so much information already then. So I'm just hoping uh, that every, everybody stays well. And, go ahead. And Benny Thompson um, uh, can be proud of himself and the nation owes him a debt of gratitude because uh, none of that would have come out at his commission, uh, not done the kind of work that they, uh, that they did. And, uh, well, i tell you what, uh, Congressman Bobby Scott, we appreciate the work you're doing. Uh, you've been an inspiration to me and a lot of others. And uh, I got to renew my membership of the NAACP. The president might not talk to me anymore. So anyway. Well, uh, well I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Diamond Life member. I was the first uh, Diamond Life member of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Um, so um, I've been uh, real active and putting my money where my mouth is. Well, I'm, I'm happy about that. So uh, anything you want to say in parting, sir? No, just uh, it, it, elections have consequences, and uh, we got to make sure we elect the right people uh, 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 next year. This year in Virginia, we have state legislative races where both the uh, state house and the uh, state senate uh, control is really up for grabs. And so we need to make sure we come out. Uh, I've told people if we don't vote right, we may end up looking like Florida. Oh, boy. So uh, we got a lot of work to do between now and the uh, in November. Yeah, I don't think anybody want to end up looking like Florida. But anyway, well, Congressman Scott, thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. And I appreciate the work you're doing on the Hill. As a uh, the ranking member of the House Educational Labor Committee has been the chair for a number of years, and uh, hopefully uh, you'll regain that spot. And you were on the uh, Judiciary Committee, and you have to leave there to chair the House Educational Labor Committee. Is that right? That's right. And I really miss it because uh, crime policy is really um, uh, politically difficult. you, know, you got to take some tough stances. Um, and, um, and, and so I, I missed that. I missed the, um, uh, crime policy on judiciary. All right. Well, Bobby Scott, thank you very much, Congressman. We certainly appreciate you. I hope I see right. you in about, uh, in about 20 days or so, uh, at the, uh, annual, annual, the Congressional Black Caucus Annual Legislative Conference. I I'll, plan on being there. Look, be, we're looking forward to seeing you. I'll be there. All right. I'll, I'll be looking for you. Thank you very much, sir. Hey, All right, thank you. That was Congressman Bobby Scott from the third uh, district in, in Virginia. And in 1990, after the 1990 census, uh, they saw where there was a need to have a a, a third, uh, a, a, another legislative district so the blacks would have uh, would have uh, some representation. But I want to take this time to thank my uh, sponsors, the SeaTac Bar Group LLC that owns a. Uh, the African Lounge and Mountain Room Bar on Concourse A out of SeaTac. Uh, I want to thank uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office. And I also want to thank the Port for their sponsorship of uh, the 60th anniversary observation of uh, the 1963 March on Washington. And the same thing with the Sound Transit Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion. 
uh, the city of Seattle's purchasing and construction services department. I also uh, want uh, this, uh, I thank uh, uh, the Northwest African American Museum for their collaboration for this uh, uh, 60th anniversary celebration that we had. Two events there, the youth event was on done an outstanding job by Tana Yasu. Uh, there was a panel discussion on uh, a Monday evening uh, where Representative Sharon Tom Tomiko Santos, Reverend Dr. Linda Smith, uh, uh, Mayor Bruce Harrell, uh, Poor Commissioner uh, Fred Feldman attended. And also, uh, we'll hear more about the NAM, Northwest African American Museum Gala, celebrating 15 years. That's coming up on October 6th. So, everybody, while we take this break, while I uh, see where my next guest is. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. Walking your talk? Take us with you. The KKNW app makes streaming our programming easy on your phone or tablet. Eddie Ride back at Urban Forum Northwest, waiting on my next guest, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, uh, who is a stalwart in terms of support for her people and righteousness for all people. So, Congresswoman, have you pulled over yet? We want to make sure she was safe. Okay, all right. Let's there see. she is. Congresswoman Hold Maxine on. Waters, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing today? All right. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you again in about 20 days or so at the CBC Annual Legislative Conference. Oh, good, That's good, good. Come on by one of my workshops now. You know, I'll be there. I will certainly be there. Yeah, as a matter of fact, well, we have to play talking to we had the pleasure of talking to one of your colleagues, uh, Congressman Bobby Scott, uh, talking about what might happen with there's not no agreement reached and the government shutting down. And I just wanted to hear from you. Uh, what are your priorities and uh, what are you working on? And uh, it is a sad state of political affairs in the country, I must admit. Uh, we can't talk about nobody else's banana republic, anybody else, as long as we're uh, letting folks do what they're doing. So. Anyway, people want to hear you. They don't want to hear from me. <laughs> well, good. Thank you so very much. And you, that issue that you just brought up about whether or not the government is going to shut down is very, very important. Uh, the Republicans are playing hardball. They want to cut 
the government and cut social services uh, programs, programs that they think uh, benefit those people that they don't want uh, to improve their quality of life. And so we are concerned about this possible shutdown, uh, but it is a real possibility that it will happen. That's number one. It's happening in the middle of everything that we're going through as we watch the unprecedented indictments of the former president of the United States of America and all that goes along with that. And it's a lot to follow, but I want you to know that these indictments uh, have been absolutely superb in the way that they have organized the information that they have that brings them to this point, and for it even to be recognized as RICO in Georgia is more than extraordinary. It is the work of a fantastic prosecutor, uh, someone who has a lot of experience, knows what she's doing, and recognizes racketeering when she sees it. So, you know, all of this is going on. Meanwhile, we're concerned about health care. We want to bring down the cost of health care. The president has been successful in reducing at least 10 other, more drugs. Uh, some of those drugs are very vital uh, to saving lives. And so we're focused on that. Um, we're focused on inflation. We've done a great job working with uh, the feds to bring down inflation. And so it is working well. We do not anticipate that there will be any other great uh, interest rate hikes uh, anytime soon. And so I'm working on cryptocurrency and on, um, you know, this very, very complicated uh, era that we're moving into where we're talking about new money systems, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's, um, it's very difficult. Uh, we're trying to make sure uh, that we don't put people in harm's way uh, with some of the cryptocurrency approaches uh, that are being laid out. Uh, but we've got to make sure uh, that, you know, investors and others are not just going to get ripped off. So it's a very complicated time in the history of this country. We have DeSantis down there in Florida uh, trying to undo the real history of this country and somehow have the audacity and the nerves to say uh, that slaves benefited uh, from slavery. They got trained to do the kind of jobs they never would have been able to do but for slavery. And of course, he wants to wipe it out of the textbooks altogether. And this business of banning books is taking us backwards. Uh, it is a real terrible time uh, that we are confronted with. But what I'm loving is I'm seeing not only in the criminal justice system new faces, new voices prepared uh, to do things that have never been done before uh, to wreak out justice for us all. And so I know that you're keeping a close watch on all of this because you always do. You're always right up on it. And so I'm looking forward to what is going to unfold over the next months. And we know that already it has been decided uh, that uh, Trump will be on trial in March of 2024.
and uh, <clears throat> March, and then you got about three or four others, right? I beg your pardon. Does he, about, does he have about three or four other three other trial dates as well? Yes, absolutely. Now, uh, in terms of individual congressman, what can individuals do? Uh, you know, some people have this attitude. Well, my vote, your vote, does make a difference. So, well, it uh, does make a difference, and. If people don't understand now what we're up against and how we can save this democracy, they'll never understand. African-Americans do not vote their numbers. We can do a lot better. You know, they walk around, we walk around talking about how much we dislike the way Trump has undermined our democracy, how they have targeted and dog-whistled uh, to the right-wing conservatives, and that, you know, our people are being killed. They don't like it, but they aren't voting the way they should vote. We can win everything with the vote. We can win everything. Trump should not be expected even to win his own primary, and he certainly shouldn't be expected to win the general electric election. But that general election really depends on whether or not we get to the polls and vote. Every vote counts. We want young people to vote, young people turning 18. We want old people. We want people in nursing homes. We want everybody voting. We want everybody voting. So and that's I what it is. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You are uh, the, the drum major. Get them out there, and uh, people will definitely hear your voice. And uh, like I said, people are in for a rude awakening if they slip around here and let the country uh, uh, default on this debt and not be able to have a functioning government. I want you to share with us what would happen if uh, the Republicans in the House have their way and hold up funding the government. What are some of the uh, catastrophic issues that people will be facing? Well, the first thing is all the government employees are not going to get paid. All of our contracts are not going to be honored. Uh, we we will uh, lose our credit rating uh, on Wall Street, and we won't be able to borrow money. Uh, let alone all of the programs that will not be funded uh, that supposedly has gone through the Appropriations Committee. It will be a disaster for everybody. Boy. Yeah, well, that's that's a, a serious conversation here. Uh, we're having a, uh, a NAACP uh, area conference convention uh, in uh, Seattle on September 9th, and the area conference includes... Uh, Alaska, Oregon, and Washington will be held in Seattle on September 9th. And uh, we do have uh, uh, the president of the uh, Portland and the Seattle uh, uh, branch and up Seattle King County branch. You know, we are Martin Luther King Jr. County now. A lot of folks can't say that. But then yeah, one of the sad things is with this, they call it gentrification. I call it redlining economic apartheid. We have one of the whitest Martin Luther King streets in America of any large city. So wow. I just want to let you, let you know what's happening. Yep. So I oh, want to make absolutely. sure that you knew that. But I also, uh, uh, I wanted to introduce you to uh, Daryl Powell and James Posey. Daryl Powell is president of the Seattle King County branch of the NAACP. James Posey is president of the Portland branch of the NAACP. And uh, uh, I guess Daryl has been here for about a year, and James hasn't been here that long. But uh, uh, they're, they're going to be getting started, so... What kind of encouraging words do you have for these two presidents, Congressman Waters? Well, first of all, I have a thank you uh, to both of them 
for, you know, taking up the cause of leadership. The NAACP is extraordinarily important uh, and have been in the forefront of helping us on our civil rights issues, have been successful uh, throughout the history of the NAACP. And I want to thank them because in many ways I know sometimes it's a thankless job. Uh, you have a lot to do, a lot of organizing to do, a lot of fundraising to do, a lot of everything. And oftentimes people don't realize the sacrifices that are being made. I thank you. And in thanking you, I want to uh, put some more on you and say that expand the numbers in the NAACP in your chapters. Do some uh, registration drives some sign-up drives, get more people signed up, get more people being lifetime members, paying their dues, et cetera, et cetera, so that we can have more people on the street, in the neighborhoods, encouraging people to vote. I know your job already is awesome, and it's a huge responsibility, but I implore you to do the very best job that you can do. Well, Congressman Waters, we certainly appreciate you. We always appreciate your message. We appreciate your advocacy uh, for our people and for all people who are in need of representation. You've always been in the forefront of raising uh, the votes for everyone. And so we certainly appreciate your leadership. And like, again, uh, I would love to see you in 20 days at the uh, Congressional Black Caucus Annual Legislative Conference. And uh, will you have any other comments you'd like to say? Because I know you you pull over to the no, side of the I, road I, to do I this just, interview. And I, I just want to say a word for the um, Black Caucus Legislative Conference. We have some wonderful workshops that are being organized. I'm honoring uh, the 50th anniversary of hip hop with Young, uh, Gifted, and Black. I'm going to have T.I., I'm going to have Yo-Yo, and I'm going to have some others that are there. We're going to do that because that genre of music has helped to not only change and identify our culture, but it's been, been good economically. In addition to that, I'm going to do Closing the Wealth Gap, and I will have some of the most successful African-Americans in this country in that session talking about what they have done, what they will continue to do, and what we must all do to close that wealth gap. And then I have a new one that I'm doing. I've always done mandatory minimums, and we've had made headway with that. Uh, but this year, I'm going to do uh, the Innocence Project. We have so many black people, young black people also, who get arrested, who are doing time, uh, they don't have the legal representation, and they are not cr criminals. Uh, they are being railroaded, and they don't have the defense that they need. And so now I'm organizing, along with the Innocent Project, some other projects that have started to work on this. I'm going to have some people uh, at that hearing serving on the panel who are the uh, beneficiaries of the Innocence Project, where they were incarcerated, imprisoned, and they were found to be innocent of what they were accused of. And we're on top of that, and with more people who look like us getting in the criminal justice system, I think we're going to be able to do better. But that's going to be one of my newer, more interesting uh, also workshops that I'm doing. And you talk about the, the, the wealth we have. I want to send you some information. on. We got a collaboration with some of the folks from India here, 
And some of them, uh, at least one, uh, the president of the MLK Gandhi Empowerment Initiative says, had it not been for black folks in the civil rights movement, his father wouldn't have been able to immigrate here. And we have some folks giving back. And uh, they're committed to, uh, and we received funding already from Senator Patty Murray and Adam Smith. But uh, these folks will become proficient in digital technology. They'll get $2,500 a month while they're in training. And they have to be recommended by one of the advisory board members because we want every, have everybody to have, have a buy-in. So that way, if you recommend someone, you got better understand. But right now, honestly, uh, Congressman Waters, my technology is so weak, I couldn't get in the program. I couldn't qualify to get in there. So it's not who you know, it's what you know. So I want to thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you and keep representing us. We sure appreciate you. Well, I sure will every day. And thank you for your years of work. Uh, way beyond what the average African-American has done in giving of your time and working with your community. And out of that, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And you know my God child is Angela. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, you you did. Yeah, that's uh, People say, yeah, Angela acts like Maxine Waters. Well, that's who her mentor that's was. Right. So. <laughs> that's right. And, and she came and she interned with me and she fell out there and watched like she'd been there all her life. Wasn't afraid, worked with the young people, and I'm so proud of her. Well, thank you very much, Congressman Waters. We certainly are proud of you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Got to go. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you now. Thank you for your time. Uh, my next guest uh, just heard their charges from Congresswoman Mark Maxine Waters, and that's uh, I'll let Daryl Powell go first since he's the host president of uh, the area conference convention that will be held September 9th in Seattle. Daryl Powell is the president of the Seattle King County branch of the NAACP. We also have James Posey in the land, who's president of the Portland branch, Portland, Oregon branch of the NAACP. And folks from Oregon and Alaska and Washington will be coming to Seattle for this auspicious occasion. So welcome, Daryl Powell. Why don't you go ahead and tell folks a little bit about yourself and a little bit. And also mention your son, that Husky, too. Okay, because <laughs> they, they play they play Saturday, don't they? Boise State or something? Okay. Man, we got something to look forward to. Well, thank you so much, Eddie. Uh, again, my name is Daryl Powell. I serve as president of the Seattle King County branch of the NAACP. Uh, um, I took charge of my office in January, um, but I've been serving in executive leadership for over five years. And um, so again, uh, the words that uh, Congressman Waters um, ring true, that civil civic engagement matters and we need to get out the vote here this coming November. Uh, I'm here today to talk about what's going on um, next uh, weekend. Um, next weekend, we are having our annual convention, our state area conference. It's a conference that's made up Alaska, Oregon, and Washington branches. There are 13 branches that are um, converging on the Seattle area for the weekend of September 8th, 9th, and 10th uh, to go about the business of the NAACP. We have some dynamic workshops that are going to be held. Uh, we have some dynamic uh, leader, dynamic speakers. We have our own mayor, uh, Bruce Harrell, who will be welcoming. Uh, we have the benefit of having uniquely the governor of Montgomery, Alabama. He will be our keynote speaker for our dinner. And so given the recent um, events that have happened in Montgomery, we look forward to a uh, exciting keynote. Um, and lastly, I'll just say, Eddie mentioned my son. I, I am a homegrown Seattleite, and I have a son who plays for the University of Washington football. And so I've actually given up a weekend uh, on that September 9th to watch him play. But um, 
just keep him in your prayers. Stay safe. He plays defensive back, and we're looking for a great season. Uh, why don't you share a little bit about the history of uh, the Seattle King County branch of the NAACP? It's my understanding that's the first branch west of the Mississippi. Is that correct? Right. We have the distinction. We were uh, chartered in 1909, and we have the distinction of being the first branch uh, west of the Mississippi. Uh, you know, we've had some dis uh We've had some distinguished leaders. Um, just recently, uh, Judge Johnson, um, who had passed away, uh, King County Superior Court has named a conference room in his honor. And so, you know, we're standing on, I'm standing on the shoulders of some great uh, leaders, James Bible, uh, Carl Mack, uh, Gerald Hankerson. Um, and we're still about the work of um, fighting for the rights of African-Americans and uh, other BIPOC communities for racial and economic justice. And uh, the, the NAACP, and we were happy, pleased to have you at uh, uh, as part of the 60th commemoration of the 1960, August 28, 1963, March on Washington, D.C. for Jobs and Freedom. And uh, you were one of the speakers then, also participating in the march. And some people were saying, well, how come there wasn't a lot of Black people? Well, you know, uh, we really don't live in that area. At one time, we could have went two blocks and had 500 Black folks, but uh, that's just, that's not the demographics any longer. Uh, things have changed, but at the same time, our commitment has not changed. Although I must say we do have, uh, I would say out of all the Martin Luther King Jr. streets in America, out of large cities, uh, we have the one with the least blacks uh, in Martin Luther King Jr. County. And we've also been joined by uh, the president of the Portland chapter of the NAACP, James Posey. Welcome, Mr. Posey. And I guess we'll see you in a week or so, right? Well, now it's eight, eight or oh, a week and a week and a day. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, Eddie. Before I tell you, I'm, I'm excited about uh, coming up to our big brother. You know, Seattle's our big brother. Or we call him big sister area. We down us country folks down here in, in Oregon. We don't, you know, we don't get to get up to the big city, but every once in a while, so oh, I'll be happy down. to come up. I'll be, I'll be happy to come up to y'all's territory, man. Well. So what are some of the major issues uh, that you're confronting in, in uh, Portland, Oregon right now, in the state of Oregon, sir? Well, you know, we, we, we have a multitude of issues just like, like around the country. Uh, but, you know, James Posey's got this thing about the achievement gap. Uh, uh, you know, Eddie, uh, we have a 50% achievement gap between black kids and, and white kids. So everything that we're doing externally with all these committees and everything won't mean a hill of beans until we close that achievement gap. Um, and you know, the NAACP has a has a you know a structure in which we're working on this. We have these committees and that committees, but we may have to do something a little bit more creative because I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm looking for a way to sue the Portland public school system uh, uh, to get them on track. We have uh, three black commissions on there on there now, I mean, black board members now. And uh, as I said to them, it would be a crying shame for you all to go another decade with the black kids having that achievement gap, 50% between white and black. And of course, what the, the, the issue is, is that when you have that sort of achievement gap, it permeates through all the other stuff that we do down here, all these race, racist incidents and so forth are really uh, are, are perpetuated by the fact that our kids aren't properly represented or supported in the school district. So that's one. Does that is that one? Is that a good one? Yeah, yeah, that's that's something worth working on. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. And of how course, does that compare? How does that compare with Seattle, uh, President Darrell Powell? Well, I mean, 
I would say that ditto. Um, I, I don't know that we have focused at that level, but we recognize the same achievement gap that's happening in our public schools here throughout Seattle and the King County area. But I will tell you, um, one of my charges to our branch is to get more involved in economic development. And because there's going to never be any real racial equity until we have um, economic equity. And so some of the, one of the things that we're proud that we've been working with is with the state of Washington. Um, we were a part of a collective of uh, community advocate organizations that uh, re will receive $200 million or has been set aside in Washington State Department of Commerce for African-American businesses, African-American uh, organizations that support youth uh, detention and youth violence, um, African-American organizations that help uh, people re-enter from prison. And so, you know, that's one portion of it. Another portion is reparations. Um, we are, uh, we believe on the ground floor having real conversations about reparations. We've had some conversations, early conversations with the mayor of Seattle, but we are now taking that to the state. So you'll hear more about what the NAACP is doing with organizations with like Washington Equity Now, King County Equity Now to, um, get on the governor's calendar about reparations in Washington. We hear it's going on in California and other states, but there's not hasn't been a lot of formal conversation in the state of Washington. And so that's one of our charges. Well, one of the things that uh, uh, people will talk about reparations just in terms of a check, but if you look at the history, every time uh, in the 20s, Blacks tried to register vote, uh, they were always burned out and their land taken. Uh, you just incident after incident, when blacks were attacked and the whole community was burned down, the businesses, everything, they took the land. So I'm hoping that we put land in that in that uh, request for reparations as well. I think that that would do uh, quite a bit to have that done. And you know, uh, our state needs some help. Uh, in uh, 2021, I think I shared these numbers with you, uh, African-American-owned businesses did 0.18%. And even after the governor signed an executive order in June, January 2022, at the end of the year, African-Americans did 2.2%. So, uh, and then 25 years of no affirmative action, you know what that did to family-owned businesses. They've just shot them out the window. So I'm glad you guys are in the conversation with the governor. I don't know what it might be different in Oregon. What's it like in Oregon, Jane? Well, you know, Eddie, uh, I was up there in that Vidoc uh, program with you in which we tried to shut down the Alaska Vidoc. Remember them dump trucks up there? I got some pictures where we were up at the dry dock. I thought they were going to run over you up there. Uh, the police was going to take you to jail, but uh, evidently you survived. <laughs> but you remember the last divide I was up there with you. Well, we got the same. We got the same issue down here, man. I'm gonna just be honest with you. We keep thinking these white folk is going to love us and give us a square deal, but they they're not trying to give us no square deal. And one of the things I want our organization to understand. You all know that, for example, we got this interstate bridge that connects Washington and Oregon, right? right? So that thing is coming up. And because we've been left out so long and all these other smaller projects, including the I-5 expansion project around our Blazer Convention Center, they move the ball on us. You know what I mean? They, it's right. like Snoopy. They pull the rug off from us just recently. And so we have to be on them ODOT, Oregon Department of Transportation, is similar to WashDOT and their traditional willingness to exclude us from having contracts on this. So it's an I'll ongoing you, battle. 
I'm going to have to we're going to continue this conversation uh, next week. I will definitely be at the conference. Okay. Uh, I was going to be there on the ninth, but now I'm going to be able to. I'll get registered, President Daryl Powell. But can you still uh, sign up online? That's the other thing I want to know. Yeah, I, I'll send you the link. Okay, send me the link because right. I'm not a techie, so I, I have good intentions. But if you don't have the basic skills, you're in trouble. So thank both of y'all for being here today. We appreciate y'all. Look forward to seeing both of you. Uh, in nine days, eight or nine days, because today is the 31st. So thank you, Daryl Powell, President of King County, Chapter of NAACP, James Posey, President of Portland, Chapter of NAACP, and they'll be meeting on September 8th, 9th, and 10th. So thank you all very much. Let's thank go. You. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll take this break, Eric, and come back with Miss Maisha Barnett. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie right back, uh, rocking with Eric, and he can spin some tunes, I'll tell you that. So anyway, uh, uh, Maisha Barnett of the world-famous Barnett family, whose relatives first descended upon Washington State before it became a state, right? Yeah. It wasn't a state, it became a state in 1889? Uh, both sides, actually, yeah. So um, my grandf- great-grandfather, Pal Benjamin Barnett, came here in 1888, in Roslyn and then brought his sons, my grandfather among them, Pal Samuel in 1889. But Pal Samuel married a pioneer family who were here before them. So they, uh, the Connas, uh, Catherine Connor, my grandmother, she, her family arrived here in 1883. Oh, wow. And uh, we have a park name for your grandfather. Yes, it's uh, right on MLK, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, between Alder and Jefferson at 352. That's Powell Barnett Park. So we got a big event coming up. Uh, the Roots Celebration uh, is going to be held on Sunday. And it's been held, I guess, in some form for 51 years. Can you? 51 years. It started as a small um, sort of gathering of friends at Seward Park in 1972 and has expanded. Uh, and then it was largely embraced for families uh, that have been in the state pre-1940, and now it's just come one, come all. And uh, so 
They're saying that the weather might not be too good. Has it, has it ever rained on a roots picnic before? It has rained. Uh, come yeah. rain or shine, we will be there. Okay. Of course, we usually have tents available, and uh, the museum will also be open at that time. Okay, so that's the Northwest African American Museum. And Jimmy Hendricks Park is right in front of the museum. And I think they didn't turn Sam Smith Park into a doggy park. It looked like I was up to the museum on Monday yes. for an event. And I, I couldn't. I'm in my own dog fight for uh, Kyle Barnett Park. So. Oh, okay, I hear you. <laughs> so, uh, now, uh, tell us a little bit about the structure of uh, the organization and what can people expect on Sunday uh, for the uh, annual event. Right. Well, as usual, we have some great entertainment lined up. Uh, and there will be some awards of, to entertainers as well as our regular awards, like who's traveled the furthest, who's the oldest, who's the youngest, et cetera, uh, and some scholarship announcements. Um, but this year we have um, DJ Craig Jackson as well as MC John Yasutaki, who will be um, filling in the gaps uh, between live performances. And some of those live performers are, are Debbie, Debbie Cavett, uh, Josephine Howell, uh, Butch Harrison, uh, Lady V, Chris Vaughn, Chris Levon. So as I said, it's going to be great entertainment. Um, but we also have activities for um, children. So face painting and games uh, and arts and crafts tables. And uh, will uh, there be any free food there, uh, free drinks or anything? Uh, well, we always have free food for seniors, right? We call it a senior garden. So if you are indeed a senior citizen and um, you register, when you check in to register, you are eligible for a free meal. Yes. But for the most part, it's bring your own meal. And most of the families do, right? So we bring our own meals, we bring our own drinks, and we sometimes swap and sample. And related to that, this will be the first year that Roots is doing a recipe book so it's the Roots 50th anniversary recipe book. So over the last year, we've been collecting recipes from the family and different uh, favorite restaurants and, and chefs. Yeah, I see that uh, Paul Mitchell is on the front page of uh, the Fax newspaper mm -hmm. uh, saying that uh, uh, honoring, uh, honoring Josephine Howell, the local artist at the Jimi Hendrix Park. Yeah, it started. Does it start at 10 o'clock a.m.? It starts at 10. So it starts at 10. You can come and help set up if you'd like. Uh, but we uh, and it goes on until 6 p.m. Uh, and back to the senior table this year, the senior uh, table or the foods meals will be provided by Ezels. Oh, Lewis Rudd. Yes. Always doing it. We appreciate it. We really appreciate it. So uh, there's going to be things for the kids, things for seniors. And uh, who are who's the entertainment lineup look like? Uh, the entertainment, like I said, we have um, different musicians like Debbie Cabot and Josephine Howell, Sam Shambliss. I forgot to mention him, but also dance like Northwest Tap uh, and um, Ricky Pelham. Um, there's a variety of different live performances as well as a DJ. So DJ Craig Jackson and MC John Yasutaki um, will be sort of keeping things going. Um, and then there will also be community tables. So uh, 
Normally, we have like the King County Sheriff's Department that stops by, the fire department, police department, et cetera. But then also more relevant groups to our neighborhood. Earlier, you talked about closing that home ownership and wealth gap. Uh, Chikundi Salisbury will be there with his Black Legacy Home Ownership Group uh, to help Black people re- stay in their homes. Uh, so it should be. Chikundi on two weeks ago. Yeah. He had a big event with uh, County Assessor John Wilson at the Royal Esquire Club a couple of weeks ago, too. Uh-huh. So, has been all over it, uh, like his <laughs> mother, Reverend Harriet Walden, and Mothers for Police Accountability and the Mothers Justice Show on his radio station. So that's a very active family in terms of trying to get things done. Yeah, he's doing a lot of good work in the community. How what can people do to help the Roots uh, co- uh, Committee? Is Are you guys a 501c3? Can people make uh, contributions and get tax deductions for it? Uh, yes, they can. And um, that is done. I, actually, we accept donations. As you know, it's a volunteer run organization, but we are a 501c3 at that. Uh, so uh, donations are appreciated. And you can do that while you're at Roots or you can uh, send us an email through the Facebook page and we can direct you to um, how to make a donation. Well, Maisha Barnett, I really want to thank you and tell Paul Mitchell he owes you because you carried the whole load and you did it so well. And then it's really good to have you on because I don't know of any brothers or sisters whose folks got here in 1883. So <laughs> we started talking about relatives of old timers. You really are a relative of a real old timer. So you, I, I want to thank you for your work. I look forward to seeing you on, on uh, Sunday. So thank you very much. All right. See you then. Thank you. All right. See you then, Maisha. Thank you. All right. want to let everybody know that I want to give a shout out to, first of all, DDI is having their uh, meeting from 7 to 9 on Monday, September 5th. And uh, Clarence Gunn wanted you to know that. But also, I want to thank the SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. They're on the African Lounge and Mountain Room Bar out at Concourse A. The Port of Seattle University uh, Contracting Office, Sound Transit Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department. And uh, you'll hear more information about the Northwest African American Museum Gala, uh, celebrating 15 years, and that will be on October 6th. Uh, and uh, I think, yeah, and you'll be hearing about the Champions of Unity uh, is going to be Vivian Phillips and Brian Carter. So those are two people that's been working in the community for a long time, doing great things. So anyway, we miss Paul Mitchell and Jesse Weinberry today. I have something to say to them a little later. But anyway, Eric, thank you very much and have a good holiday weekend. And we'll be talking with you again next week. This is Eddie Rye Jr. for Urban Forum Northwest.